Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Let's pray for the word of God tonight and ask that you might nourish your spirit. As Jesus says, man shall not eat of bread alone, but by every, live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Father, I thank you tonight for the testimonies of your grace, uh, whether they be long-standing marriages or marriages that just begun. You are the source and fountain of our inspiration and refreshing. You are the one that rejuvenates and brings us to the place where we are a light to the world. We could be an example even to our children that they might see our marriages that are thriving and flourishing, husbands loving their wives and wives respecting, honoring, serving, being able to be an encouragement to their husbands. We pray, O oh God, that these families that would be established upon the earth might be a witness and a testimony to those that are dying around us, those that are plagued with divorce and separation and pride. We pray, Father God, that we would be an inspiration, that our lives would be an encouragement to the marriages that are around us so they might persevere and they might also partake of the provisions you have for us from time to time. People would rather go to Las Vegas or to the Bahamas or to Europe to expend and exhaust their energies and not be in places where they could enrich and nourish and refresh their relationships, oh God. Give us the wisdom to be able to choose how we spend and invest our time and who we surround ourselves with. We pray that your word tonight would be a blessing to our hearts and a seed that is planted in the hearts and that we would be a light to the world that we would be the salt of the earth, that we might be that which allows other people to come and taste and see that the Lord is good. We give you thanks for your words. We ask that you would anoint them and that they would be sown into the hearts of your people for a harvest to come in the day to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we uh, begin to pursue what we talked about on Sunday was a world-changing charge. And uh, to receive a charge is one thing, to give a charge is another. And definitely God has given us the charge. He has given us and entrusted us the responsibility of caring for his kingdom. Um, as we gathered with the men on Monday night in 1 Kings chapter 2, in verse 1, this is an example of the time in the life of a man where he is not only to receive a charge... And a lot of us don't understand the charge we've received. We're being negligent. We're being irresponsible. We're going to be face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to require of us, where is what I've put into your care and trust? And at that time, we're going to want to respond in appropriate manner. Here in 1 Kings chapter 2, verse 1, it says, when David time." near death came when David's time to die was near he charged Solomon his son and so I would like for you to ask yourself a question if you have the opportunity and many do and God is gracious to give us that opportunity to be able to speak into the life of your children at the time of your separation and demise and parting from this world what would you speak to them what would you charge them with and here um, 
the Lord has been very consistent throughout the word of God to call man to his responsibility to grow up and to come to the place of maturity. And so he says in verse two, I'm going the way of all the earth, be strong and show yourself, prove yourself to be a man. My time in your life is over and now I entrust upon you the charge of being a man. And uh, it's been confusing even to this day um, as a gentleman came, he called this morning, he says, um, can I make an appointment with Save Your Marriage? He was going down and he saw our bus benches and he says, can I make an appointment to come in? And I said, sure, what, what day do you have available? He goes, any day, any time. I said, right now, 15 minutes, come over. And he came over. And we spent the rest of the day together. And he says, we're not done yet. Could I invite you to lunch? Because I still want to pour out my heart on what's going on. And ultimately, he's living a life where his father is challenging him to be a womanizer, to be a, a playboy, to be a, a ladies' man. And he knows that not to be right. But he wants the approval and the affirmation of his father. And so too many of us don't even understand what manhood is. So I believe that God wants us to speak on, on this reality tonight. If there's anything about becoming a serious disciple is your capacity to become a man according to the heart of God. And that's why when he's telling them these verses in verse 2, when he says, be strong, be mature, be, be solid, prove yourself a man, it's in verse 3 that he begins to describe what a true man is. And so you measure up in that regards, one who is able to keep the charge of the Lord your God. How do you do with coming to church? How do you do with coming to your meetings? How do you do with, with keeping the responsibility that God has entrusted you with as a man? How do you do showing your children the example of what a godly man is, what a godly man does, how he thinks? Well, he says how to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, to listen to his commandments, to make sure that the measurements, the judgments, talking about decisions, what, what would the Lord make? What would be his decisions? What are his testimonies that he is, he's given in your life? What has he done in your life that you're replicating and giving to others as an example? And all these things are there uh, because the ultimate call of God to a man is that he might prosper. And so he says, so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. Because God has created man to be a champion. God has created man to prosper, to be blessed, to be favored of the Lord. And when we're falling short of this prosperity and this favor, when we're agonizing uh, the agony of defeat, when we're going through a difficulty and adversity, usually that's a good sign that we have not been cultivating his presence in our lives usually we'll never see and this is verse 4 he says all these things tied in to the fulfillment of God's purpose that you might fulfill his word the things that he's designed before you were born the things that he knitted together when you were in the womb all the circumstances in life coming together to fulfill the purpose of God who said that if your sons take heed to this example, if they are able to see before them how you walk in truth with all their heart and all their soul, 
You shall never lack a man who sits in a place of prominence and authority upon the throne, being God's leader for the day. And if there's anything that is, is our concern, um, you know, as, as, as Sunday's message was quite a bit strong, the world-changing charge, that God is not going to entrust an immature man with great responsibility. God is not going to entrust a child because a child is into doing as he feels and not as he ought. In Matthew chapter 11, as we were reading, uh, that Jesus had come and he was telling the people that, that it was time to get serious in their responsibility to the Lord's charge. He was, he was trying to explain that it requires the intensity of, of a fight. And it's not easy. And, and when we're not called to, uh, to confront the things that are wrong, it's because there's a fight. We, oh, if I bring this up, it's just going to start another argument. And, and so the reality of this scenario, uh, let's go to Matthew eleven twelve. 12. There... Jesus says, from the days of John the Baptist until the present time, the kingdom of heaven is enduring a violent, a violent assault, is suffering violence. There's, there's such a battle to be able to, to know what a man is and know what a man does. And he says, during all this time, surely until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent and it's the violent who take it by force. It's those willing to stand up to be able to say, I want to see the purpose of God fulfilled in my family. Uh, a lot of men um, have no clue what the future holds. And I, I would like to suggest to you that, that you're not to kidnap your family. You're not to take your family outside of the scope of God's purpose. Um, to be given other names, other priorities. He says like this in verse 16, how to, what shall we liken this generation? How are we going to compare? They're like little children sitting in the marketplace who call to their playmates. In the light of what God has called us to do as his believers and his followers, way far surpasses than playing the market, than playing the business investment. The plane, the little, I'm going to take a vacation, it's, it's, it has nothing to do with my eternal purpose. And so he says like that, he says, immaturity is the mark of the generation. Verse 17, we played the pipe and you did not dance. We, we cried and you did not mourn. For John the Baptist came eating and drinking, uh, not eating and not drinking, and you said he had a demon. Verse 18. The, the real radical disciple, the guy that goes out into the mountain to listen to the voice of God, they came and they say, John, why are you baptizing people in the desert? He says, this is what God called me to do. He goes, but are you Elijah? He says, no, I'm not one to bring fire down from heaven. Well, are you, um, are you the savior? He goes, no, I'm not one to save the world. I'm not one to be having an expression of great power. I'm not going to save the world. I'm just the voice crying in the desert. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. That's all God called me to do. That's all I am. And the Bible says there's no greater man than John the Baptist in the entire Old Testament. Moses opened up the Red Sea. 
Daniel was in the lion's den. Joseph was the prince of Egypt. And they said, with all these men, there's only one man who's born of a woman who is greater than them all. And he says, John the Baptist. Why? Because he was able to hear the voice of God and to do what God called him to do. And it was simple. It was to be out there in the Jordan baptizing people. John came and he never, he didn't drink and he didn't eat. And you say that he has a demon. Oh, that guy's too, that guy's too intense. He actually shows up at church every time there's church. That guy's weird. That guy actually serves God. He talks to people about God. He wins souls. He's actually living for God. He has a demon. That's what they said about the greatest man who ever lived. Don't be surprised that they start looking at you a little weird. Don't be surprised that they're amused about you. And then verse 19, he says, And I came, the Son of Man came, eating and drinking, having a good time, celebrating, talking about the feast of the Lord. And look, he's a glutton and a wine pepper, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And then finally Jesus says, But wisdom will finally tell who belongs to who. Who is who? For me to get up here on Sunday morning and bring a very powerful and strong message about the charge that you're given is really not what God wants from us. Even as I was thinking about everything that happened on Sunday and the intensity of the message, you actually came to the Lord's Supper tonight because a man spoke harshly to you? Your spiritual apathy and temperature is that of needing to be like it says there, stimulating one another, which means corrientazos, right? A, a stab which is irritable. Stimulate one another to love and good works. Let's go read that, please, in Hebrews 10, 24. The Bible says that, that as we see the day coming of Jesus' return, we're to consider one another. That means we're supposed to be thinking about each other with respect to our tie into the kingdom of God. We don't. We don't even think about ourselves being tied into the kingdom of God. Consider one another. In order to, the word stir there, we, we talked about it on Sunday, is to stimulate. And it's a very uncomfortable word. It talks about being jabbed with a sharp instrument. If you take your finger and just jab your neighbor in the ribs, that's what it feels like. To say, hey, ow, why would he... Stir one another up to good works and love. Start loving each other. Quit thinking about self. Being a man and being prosperous and being able to consider the ways of the Lord to fulfill his promises is our normal everyday charge. This is not, uh, well, he speaks so nicely theologically. No. The very purpose of our existence as mature people is to help those that we are entrusted with that they might not miss out the purpose of God for their lives. I love the fact that, that Mary and, and, G, and, and Joseph were able to take their son to the temple. Days after being born, they, they offered up the, 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 the offering for the blessings that would come upon their children. They were concerned about spiritual blessing. They were concerned about being tied into the purpose of God. And a lot of us are being stripped of that purpose. When we begin in this state, and this is where we begin, and he says it, we're a child. A child is full of irresponsibility, inconsistency, immaturity. With every distraction, you see the children in our church, um, as soon as they wake up to their child, when they see a person going by, they throw their arms at them. 
They don't know who it is, but they know that the person's going in the direction they want to go. And so they're like this. And as soon as they cross over, if another person is going to another direction, they'll throw their hands. And it's almost like they're making their way around to where they want because they can't walk yet. With every distraction, we're moved. With every distraction, we're listening to another voice. And so here we are as children with complete inconsistency, instability, that if anyone were to follow what we're doing, it would be super confusing. In fact, they wouldn't be able to follow because we're all over the place, not marking the place. Um, I was sitting with, because this man who called and he, he met with me. When we went to lunch, he says, could I call a friend? He's the captain of the TSA over all the airport of customs in Miami. Could, could we go have lunch with him? Because he's having the same problem I'm having. So now I'm having lunch with two men. And these men are telling me, Joaquin, how could we ever know what to do if we never had anyone to tell us? How are we ever going to be able to be a blessing to our wives and father to our children if there's not somebody willing to teach us? I said, well, you got to come with me to go to Sarasota. He says, what? Forget Sarasota. This is ground zero right here. Miami needs a men's conference. And I said, well, you guys need to help me. You two need to start walking in your responsibility, in your maturity in your consistency. Um, I, I want to know what is the definition of character of a man, and I want to say the character of a man is the weight of his conviction. No conviction, no character. If you're having somebody else to tell you, and obviously when, when you're young in the Lord, and when you're getting to know God, and when you're reading the Bible, and you're getting to know Jesus, my brother was saying it today as he walked into our our meeting in my office, he says, he says, look, he told the young man, um, we came at this at a late hour in our lives. So we could see that the adults in our lives, the males, were doing some things right, but a lot of things they were doing was not right. And they were telling us to do things that weren't right. They were showing irresponsibility. They were showing a lack of, 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 of maturity. So we had to read the Bible and we had to follow what those men in our lives were not doing. And it's a travesty. It's a travesty not to have somebody to model the behavior that God is calling us to. It's a travesty to have that irresponsibility taking place in our lives. As, as I was saying on Sunday, for me to bring in a heavy word for all practical purposes, my desire for there to be an expression of favor because when you begin to do what God says, when you begin to live like he wants us to live, you begin to feel really good. You begin to see the fruit of faithfulness. You get to see the blossoming of seeds that are sown at the right time in the right place. It will be sure to bring forth fruit. Galatians 5.1 the Bible speaks about a harvest. It talks about those, those times that we are sure to see with our eyes the fruit of our investment. There's nothing greater than to be able to see. Um, uh, the, the, the word is uh, to live without regrets. To live without regrets and knowing that, that you did the right thing at the right time 
and you're getting the right return, there's, there's nothing greater than that. Make sure I get this real quick. I'm sorry, it's Galatians. Let's go to Galatians. As we were in uh, our flight up to New York, Danbury, Connecticut, the men were coming to our table crying and weeping. And they were saying, all we have to answer is a harvest that is not consistent with our desire. Galatians 6, verse 7. Don't allow yourselves to be distorted in your ability to move in the direction you should. God is not going to be made fun of. For whatever a man sows, that he will reap. For if you sow to the flesh, you will reap from the flesh corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit everlasting life. There's, there's an abundance of life that, that is birthed out of a relationship with the Spirit. Um, the, the Sunday's word on world-changing charge is, is, listen, wake up, uh, take responsibility over that which God has entrusted so that, so that your, your uh, time to come will be one that God can say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I, I found out what the opposite of that is is depart from me, you lazy, wicked servant. Those are the two greetings that are going to happen in eternity. Well done, good and faithful servant. What is what, is what compels us to live this life? Did, 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 does anybody think that, that when Christ was thinking about forming Christians and, and bringing people to the place they ought to be in, it was out of the compulsion of guilt, out of the forcefulness of shame, you have no shame. Look at how you live. Guilt, shame, imposition, duty, duty calls. You know, dun, 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 duty calls. Or was there something inwardly that is an outflow of his love is saying, you know something? N nothing can keep me from giving, giving God my best. Nothing can keep me from serving him faithfully. I, I don't want to be uh, all over the place without a clear passing down to my children what it is to be a Christian, what it is to serve. Um, we, we had a horrible curse in our upbringing uh, re with regards to the high school we went to. It, it was an awful high school uh, because of the character of the man who ran it was all over the place. It was just going crazy. So one year we would be the, the Jaguars. The next year we would be the Spartans. Then we would be the Eagles. And at the end of the day, Miami knew our high school to be nothing at all. We had no identity. We had no legacy. The guy who graduated before us was a Spartan. We were Eagles. The guy coming after us would be a Jaguar. 
I know there's a school here. Miami has a mascot. It's a mosquitoes. Where are we going? Where are we going? Who wants to be like the mosquito? Go mosquitoes. Let's go skeeters. And so this is the same thing we have reduced our Christianity down to. Nobody knows who's the shepherd of our soul. No, nobody knows who's the shepherd of our family. Nobody knows what sheep fold we belong to. The, our inconsistency is horrendous. But I guarantee you one thing, that the Bible's never wrong. Whatever we sow, we're going to reap. Whatever we put into that ground, we're not going to be able to fix later on. That's the fruit. That's going to be the fruit. That's the legacy. And so one of the things that's super powerful is that, that we would be so filled with the Spirit of God tonight. How can we drink? How can we make this verse come true? Let me, let me get it for you. It's working on it. Ephesians 5.18. Be drunk not with wine in which there is a total loss of direction, but be filled with the Spirit of God. Why, why is it telling us to be filled with the Spirit of God? How could we saturate our lives to make sure that the influence we have, when it's talking about wine there, it says be not drunk with wine. It's saying that it's an influencing effect. Don't let the influence of alcohol uh, affect your ability to navigate. Don't, don't let it be an external source that, that allows your life... Um, if, if, you, if you live by external influences, then when the external influences are not there, you're going to go astray. But when it's internal, when it's something deep inside of you, listen to me, when everybody else leaves, when everybody else finds something else to do, you're going to be faithful to God. You're going to be doing what God called you to do and nobody's going to move you. And so why do we want to be like that? The previous verse says, therefore, we're not to be foolish but we're supposed to be wise so that we can figure out what the will of God is. So we can figure out what God wants from me as a woman, from me as a man, from me as a husband, from me as a wife, from me as a father, as a mother. What does God want? And all of us are saturated with externals and we're doing things because of what other people are going to think or what other people are going to say. But at the end of the day, it's going to be what the Spirit of God is saying to your life. And if you're responding, what is the Spirit of God saying? If you could reduce all this to one thing, is that it's not a matter of your capacity to be ashamed or forced or felt compelled, influenced by those things that are around us. But what is flowing in your heart? And if it's not flowing, why don't you pursue and start digging that well? Start digging a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. One of the things that helped uh, Samuel a lot, the Bible says that for many years he was in the temple and he was serving, but the Lord hadn't talked to him. 
He was serving under Eli, the high priest, until that one day where his ear opened up to hear the voice of God, Samuel. So he ran over to Eli. He says, what, what, you need something from me? He goes, no, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. And he heard again, Samuel. And he ran to Eli again. He says, did you call me? He says, no. He goes, it must be the Lord's calling you. It must be you're listening to the voice of God. You've been faithful in the house of God. Now be faithful to the call of God. Be faithful to God speaking in your life. Uh, I'll, I'll take you back to April 6, 1998. I'm sitting in my, we're laying down in bed. Me and my wife are reading a book. And I hear God say, get up and go. I knew what he was talking about. It was the time to birth this vision. Time to start spring of life. And I turned to Yvette. I said, listen, I just heard the Lord tell me, get up and go. And she looks at me, and she, we didn't talk, that, she says, what if we mess up? What if we fail? She knew exactly what get up and go meant. We have been waiting for ever, being faithful, serving, doing what God has called us to do. And I said, Yvette, the only person who can fail is someone who's doing something. And this will not be something that I will do. God is doing it. We can't mess up. We, we can't mess up to what God has called us to do in the light of the fact that he's going to do it. And the literally, the, it was funny because the exchange happened next where I respond to the Lord and I said, Lord, I don't know any men. Because usually when we're called to do something by God, we look around to see, okay, where are the men, right? Who's going to help us do this? And so I started laughing because the Virgin Mary says, I don't know a man. And I said, I never thought I would be able to identify with the Virgin Mary when she responded, I know not a man. And I was telling him, I don't know any men. And then I felt peace because I knew that God says, this is not going to be about men. This is, I'm going to do this. It'll be my hand. That was, that was the interchange. But shortly thereafter, the Lord took me to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. And, and I understood that, that it would be a God thing that I would be entrusted with, but it would also be he would entrust me with faithful men that would come along the side. And he says, Paul to Timothy, he says, the things that you have heard from many, among many, commit these to faithful men who will also be able to teach to others, also. So the work of the Lord in respect to the responsibility and the charge we have, it, it involves a, a team, it involves a group of men, it involves a group of mature men, responsible men. We, we have uh, Monday night meetings from time to time and we'll break up in groups of, of 10 groups of 10 men and sometimes more, sometimes less. And, and sometimes some men will not show, they will not come. They will not be present. So, so if they're a leader, it, you know, we, we need leaders to show up. 
usually will we'll substitute a leader because a leader will miss maybe one meeting in the next six or ten. But we can't choose a novice because a novice will come and when there's something else to do, he won't show up. If there's a good movie in town, if the circus comes in town, if the dolphins are playing, if the heat are playing, they'll be sure not to show up because they cannot be entrusted with the charge to lead men. They, they cannot walk in the consistency of faithfulness. And so Jesus will come and he will require. I was reading a passage today. I was even reluctant. I, I, I said, Lord, am I, was Sunday's message too tough? And, and then he takes me here and you tell me, yeah, it's Matthew 24, 51. Let's start in verse 50. Matthew 24, 50. The master of the servant will come on the day when he's not looking for him. The master will come on the day the guy's not there. And at the hour where he's not aware of it and will cut him in two. And appoint his portion with the hypocrites. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I have never seen the verse where Jesus says, bring me the unfaithful man so I could cut him in half. And then I said, Lord, half is a little bit drastic. I thought it was tough on Sunday. But now he, today he shows me, I'll cut that man in half. And I said, Lord, why in half? And we'll cut him in two. You say half because that's the half of the person. But the Lord says, no, half because he's being double-minded. I'm giving him two bodies. He's doing two things. He's, he's, he says he's here, but he's not. He says he's not here, but he is. This, this, this thing, verse 50 says like this. It says, when the master comes, the master will come on a day when he's not looking for him. And at the hour that he's not aware. Um, understand my dilemma here tonight is how do you prepare people to be ready for the Lord's coming? Do, do we mention these verses or these verses are really, they're just there, they're exaggerating, they're not, they're, they're real. They're real. The following chapter talks about the ten virgins. The kingdom of heaven, verse 1 Matthew 25, 1 says, the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. They're waiting. They're, they are prepared. The five of them were wise and the five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil. And the wise took oil in their vessels and with their lamps. They were ready. They were attentive. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. What we're talking about, not, don't be filled with wine, but be filled with the Holy Ghost. Some were connected, others were unconnected. But while the bridegroom delayed, they all slumbered and fell asleep, like some of you tonight. At midnight cry, a voice was heard and says, here he is, the bridegroom is coming. To me come out to meet him. Then the virgins arose and trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said uh, to the wise, give us some of your oil. Give us some of, of that that." presence of God in your lives for our lamps are going out but the wise answered no lest there should not be enough for us and you go but you go um, to those who sell and buy for yourselves 
And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also and said, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. Make a a good cross-section of the fellowship you keep. I want to be surrounded by men that are on fire for Christ and are waiting for him to come back and leave when he gets here. I want to be around men that love Jesus more than they love anything in this world. Day, night, hour, um, wherever they're at, whatever they're doing, they're just charged in this relationship with Christ. The Bible says that the day is drawing nearer than when we first believed. That means whenever you got on, that day is, is coming even faster. And so there it is with respect to each one being entrusted with vast provisions of days and time and family and ministry. Verse 26 the end of the talents that are afforded to each one, it says, and the Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You were well aware that I reap where I have not sown and I gather where I have not scattered seed. I think this response comes in the light of a person that is telling Jesus, I wasn't the one that messed up. You were. Verse 24. He who received one talent said, Lord, I knew that you were a hard man, that you were tough. I knew you were reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered. You're expecting from me what I cannot give you. You want me? to show forth fruit to where I'm not at. And so Jesus says, listen, you weren't close enough to hear my voice. You weren't in fellowship consistently enough to be able to serve me. At least you should have been helping someone who was. You should have. Right there he says it. Verse 27, so you ought to have deposited my talents with the bankers at my coming, and I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away, and he will be cast out the unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, I haven't heard from God, but there's people that have and they're doing something that far surpasses what what we have seen upon the earth with respect to serving the Lord. Let me be part of that team. Um, That transformation is taking place in our midst. Those of you who have been coming here a short time and... and, um, Usually in a church, it takes about 10 to 15 years for people to get plugged in and start serving here. If you've been here for two to four years, you are 
you, you got the goods. God has spoken to you clearly. You have your hand on the plow. You're working the field. You're having fruit. The first fruit is the spiritual condition and maturity of your family. And, and we see this tremendously. One of the things that happens is when people displace themselves, uh, now it becomes a free-for-all. Who's going to be my pastor? Nobody. Who's going to be my brother that I'll love and serve? Nobody. I want to be in a place with it where there's no faces and no names so that I could hide, so I could pretend I'm a Christian. Let's ask the ushers to come forward. It's important tonight that as we partake of the Lord's Supper, we realize what is the significance of this table. Why do we celebrate the Lord's Supper? Because Jesus told us to. He says that this Lord's Supper would commemorate what he did on the cross. The bread representing his body that was broken for us. The cup represents his blood that was poured out on the cross on the day of the sacrifice. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. His blood washes our sins away. The cup we drink tonight will, will bring us memory of that sacrifice. The bread we break is his body broken that ours might be united. We had no capacity to unite and connect until Christ's love was poured out in that sacrifice. So when somebody offends us, Jesus says, remember, I took on another person's sin and I told Father God, forgive them for they know not what they do. You do the same thing. Make sure that you mend. Make sure that you reconcile. Make sure that you forgive like I have forgiven you. And so this table is phenomenal. This table represents life, strength, virility, resurrection. Father, thank you for this table tonight. Thank you that you command us to participate with such awesome provision of a bread that represents your body and of a cup that represents your blood. We ask you to bless this bread and this cup and Father that it might allow us to reconcile our hearts with you, O oh God, and with our brethren. That you forgive us in the cup and that we forgive others in the bread. That this would be the representation of the reconciliation of mankind that we might be able to celebrate the victory that you obtained for us on the cross. We would see death no more. We would live forevermore because of your body and your blood. Incredible, amazing, divine sacrifice to remove the sins of the world, to remove our sins as far as the east is from the west, to wash us, to cleanse us. Today, we announce our forgiveness, Lord. We, we repent. We ask you to forgive us, O oh God. We're not going to justify. We're not going to excuse our condition. We want to be forgiven. We want to be washed. We want to participate in a manner that's worthy. So bless this bread, O oh God, and bless this cup, and make it to good for those of us that participate of these elements. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As the elements are being passed out, you talk to God about tonight's message. Talk to God about the significance of your 
coming to be a man. You're coming to take maturity, responsibility by keeping the word of God, his testimony, his ways in your leadership, in your family, in the legacy and descendants of an inheritance that's glorious and incorruptible. So as the bread and the cup go around, you just, before you participate, get right with God and participate in a manner which is worthy, where you bring worth to this table. Word is the never was slain. Holy, holy, sing a new song to him who sits on heaven's mercy song to him who sits on heaven's mercy seat. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Help creation I sing, praise to the King of kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you.
mention of your name. Jesus, your name is power, birth and living water, such a marvelous mystery. I sing praise to the King of Kings. You are my everything, and I will adore you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation I sing praise to the King of Kings you are my everything and I will adore you oh I'll adore you I will adore you forever and ever praise you Lord you are so marvelous you're a mighty king and Lord of Lords you are so precious we will worship you you are amazing Jesus us with your spirit, Lord. Oh, you are my everything, and I will exalt you. For I received from the Lord, Paul says in Corinthians, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim what the Lord did on his death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. So let every man examine himself and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, 
Many are weak, many are sick among you, and many sleep. For if we were to judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest he come together for judgment. The rest I will set in order when I come. Father, thank you that we might be able to partake tonight. And instead of sickness and weakness and death, we desire to participate and experience health to our bodies, strength to our lives, and resurrected spiritual life instead of separation from you. We pray, O oh God, that you bless this bread as we ask you forgiveness for all our sins of dishonoring the body of Christ, the body of believers. We pray that you forgive our sins, O oh God, and allow us to reconcile and to reconnect and to serve one another as you commanded. Bless this bread in Jesus' name we pray. You may participate of the bread. Lord, thank you also for the cup, the crimson tide that flowed from that cross that day. We look back and we say thank you. Thank you for the sacrifice that cleanses us and makes us white as snow. Thank you for the blood that forgave our sins and restored our righteousness and our relationship with you. Allow us, oh God, to not consider what you did as a common thing, but a spectacular and powerful redemption plan. Bless this cup as we partake, asking you for forgiveness and asking you to wash anything that is an obstacle, a distraction. Remove the sin that stains us and allow us to come into sweet fellowship with your Holy Spirit. That your Lordship would might be evident over our lives as we walk in obedience. Give us conviction of sin. Give us depth of character so that we can show and tell this world what a man of God looks like, how he lives, what a woman of God looks like, how she lives. Bring us to the place of transformation, not out of imposition, but out of love. Let your Holy Spirit flow deeply in our hearts as we partake of this cup. In Jesus' name we pray. You may participate. With the heart of thanksgiving, you could stand to your feet. Being grateful for what Jesus did on the cross. We being witnesses of His death, burial, and resurrection following Him by surrendering our hearts and serving the only one true King.
Let's sing a song to the Lord tonight all together. power, oh God. Oh, for Move. Christ Heal, oh God. Deliver. Save. Bring How us to the place of your desire. In Jesus' name, heal the sick, oh God. Heal the sick, oh God, in a miraculous manner. Praise you, Jesus. This tonight, if you have some issue that you've been battling with with respect to a health issue, could you come to the altar? God wants to move with his mighty power and miracles tonight. Come up front here. And God is just, just going to pour out miraculous signs and wonders for his people. Father, thank you for moving in the midst of your people. Thank you, Lord, for your power and your grace that moves on behalf of those of us that believe, O oh God. You have promised that we would lay hands on the sick and that you would heal them, O oh God. You would restore their health. They might celebrate in full gladness of your provision. And I just thank you, O oh God, for Julieta. And Father, we believe that you want her to be entirely well, Father God, from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet, oh God, without anything in her life that would impair the peace and the joy that she might experience, oh God. Things purchased for us at the cross, Lord. 
You were, the Bible says that by your uh, stripes we are healed, oh God. We were healed right there where the devil was taking at you and whipping you and, and making a mockery out of you, oh God. There's provision in, our, in, our, in, in, in heaven's yes. gates that are to be poured out, Father God. The floodgates of heaven opening up, Father God, and being poured out in the provisions of vast extravagant love towards us, oh God. And we just declare entire healing, Father God, divine healing, oh God, over her life, oh God. You know the situation. You know the area affected, oh God. And we declare right now in Jesus' name, name above all name, that she would be healed to serve you and celebrate with gladness and joy for the wonderful victories of your lavish love upon her life, Father God. We give you thanks for Suleika, oh God, and your glorious power that moves on her behalf, your embrace, oh God. We pray, Father God, from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet, every cell, oh Father God, to take the, the order of health, oh God, divine healing, transformation, power, on behalf of those who receive what you dispense from the heavens, oh God. And we lay hands on her knowing, oh God, that you will do exceedingly abundantly above what we have prayed and asked, oh God, that you will move with glorious favor upon her life, Lord. And she will celebrate and testify and witness, oh God, to your mighty provisions over her life in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for Natalie, oh God. We give you thanks, Lord, that the devil is a liar, Father God, and that your truth suppresses, Father God, all the lies of the enemy. We speak healing, O oh God, over her body, O oh God, that she might serve you and she might know you as Jehovah Rapha, the God that heals, the God that does miraculous signs and wonders on behalf of those who believe and welcome and receive what you dispense from heaven. And we know that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights, O oh God. So we receive it in Jesus' name. And we declare her body from the crown of her head to the sole of her feet healed, O oh God. Holy, wholesomely, healthily. We rebuke, O oh God, every assignment of the devil. Everything that's been sent upon her, Father God. We, Father God, we cancel every weapon formed against her, O oh God. Father, and we declare newness, Father God, restoration, Father God, renewal, rejuvenation, O oh God. You are able to do it in a mighty way. And we thank you and declare this body whole and healed in the power of Jesus' name, O oh God. Father, we thank you for Brother Ralph, O oh God. And we give you thanks for the, for the redemption grace that's upon his life and heart that he has received to deliver him from every ailment, every infirmity, every spirit infirmity. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. You're to leave this man alone that he might serve his Lord with joy and gladness and that he might declare the works of the Lord and be strong and be mighty even in an old age, O oh God, that you might declare him strength, Father God, that he might declare the power and faithfulness of your grace, Lord, that's upon his life, that we would lay hands upon the sick in obedience to your word, Father God, anointing them with oil, God, that you would do mighty works amongst your people, God. And we declare him healed, Father, from every condition, from every medical condition, every health condition, anything that swerves out of alignment with peace and joy and uh, assurance, oh God, of your finished work upon the cross, oh God. Every molecule of blood that you shed, O oh God, 
for our healing, O oh God. And your stripes we are healed, O oh God. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Father, we give you thanks for Alex, O oh God. We pray and declare him whole and healed, Father God. That he might prosper in a mighty way. In a physical body that glorifies the God of heaven. And he'll be able to testify and use his miracle to testify to others about the faithfulness of God. And we obey your word, Father God. We lay hands on the sick so that they would recover. Father God, and their sins would be forgiven and rebellions would be restored, Father God, in incredible relationship, enjoying your presence from the crown of his head to the sole of his feet, O oh God. We declare Alex wholesome, healed in full strength, O oh God, for your glory, O oh God, for your honor and your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Father, we give you thanks for Maria and Giselle, O oh God. We give you thanks for your favor upon their life, Lord. Vast, vast outpouring of your presence and goodness upon their lives, O oh God. And the blood of Jesus, let it run, Father God, and let it restore and heal their bodies, that they might serve you with gladness. And whatever has been diagnosed, O oh God, we declare this uh, to be a miracle night for them, O oh God, that they might see your hand upon their life, O oh God, restoring that which the devil has stolen, that which has been infected, infirmity, O oh God, and we declare healing, in the mighty name of Jesus, from the crown of the head to the sole of their feet, O oh God. Every tissue, Father God, every area of their lives, O oh God, to be ordered and aligned of God, to be magnifying your name upon the earth with wonderful healing in Jesus' name. Father, we give you thanks, O oh God, for your great mighty power that works on behalf of those of us who believe, O oh God. And we lay hands, Father God, and we declare from the from crown, of the head to the sole of the feet, Father God, that you might cleanse, that you might wash, that you might be miraculous in power, strength, and glory, that, that those who meet and visit this body would know that our Savior had been here, O oh God, that our Lord, that our Master and King would have come and done a mighty work as you've done in the past, O oh God that your signs and your wonders might follow those who believe in your name. And we declare, Father God, your fullness of goodness and mercy to be able to glorify your name by laying hands on the sick, O oh God, and knowing that you would be faithful in healing them, body, soul, and spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. Father, we give you thanks, O oh God, for Michelle and Carlos. You know where they need their touch, O oh God, and they've come to receive. Father, you said, if any man not be ashamed of me before men, I will not be ashamed of them before the Father. So I declare right now in Jesus' name, O oh God, that you honor their faith of having come to be prayed for by the church. Church, extend your hands this way. And we declare right now, the Lord of Jesus Christ declares healing over these bodies. Father, that your signs would follow those that believe. And we're here tonight to receive the goodness that you will dispense from heaven when the brethren are together in harmony, joined together in fellowship, serving you, honoring you, waiting to receive all that you have from us from on high. And declare Michelle and Carlos whole, Father God, in Jesus' name, Father God. Body, soul, and spirit, from the crown of the head to the sole of their feet, Father God. Every ligament, every tendon, every muscle, Father, all bones, Father God, all tissues, all cells, all under the blood of Jesus, magnifying and glorifying our Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. What, what would church be if everybody came connected and saying, Lord, come and show us your glory. Come and show us your power. It would be just a different experience. God bless you. Greet one another in the name of the Lord.